Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond. Welcome to Magic City Soccer, a Dade Brigade podcast. This is, of course, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County and beyond. Uh, as always, uh, we are joined this evening by Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing, pal? Doing good. Uh, I could use a few more points off that game, but I'm just chilling, turned up in the party, getting lit to yachty with the Spanish Barbie. Word to my mommy. There we go. All right. Uh, Omar, what is the conversion rate for two draws? Is that like one victory? Okay, there we That's go. That's one beer. That's one <laughs> Sam Adams Oktoberfest. That's what it's going to okay. be. Fair enough, Omar Bubayid, uh, cracking it open early. And we have a new voice joining us this evening. Happy to have it. Everyone's favorite Welshman, Lee Eifens. Lee, how you doing, pal? I am very well indeed. Thank you very much, guys. It's a pleasure to be here for my first ever Magic City Soccer podcast to give you the old school, old world view on... We sound more professional when we have a guy with a British accent. It always helps, Drew. It always helps. Yeah, I think we're going to get picked up by uh, by some of the bigger podcast networks now that we actually have like. A- I'm the one who's going to get picked up because I've got the accent. I'm sure the rest of you. Uh, I'll pass them. I'll pass the people on to you. No, we're we're gonna, like going to grab onto your foot. You're not going anywhere without us. You're going to either drag <laughs> us along or going to stay down here. Those are the rules. Welcome. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, now that we've <laughs> threatened our new get our new uh, host, um, let's get to the the matter of the games. Um, let's start with the earlier game. This was a three-game and seven-day situation last week. So uh, we had two. We have two games to discuss. First, the midweek game, uh, Miami FC uh, play Ottawa uh, to a draw. Kind of uninspiring. Uh, both teams are kind of just trying to keep their head above water um, based off of injuries or uh, maintenance or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's a little bit ragged. Uh, but, uh, you know, road point, not too shabby. Lee, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've had a good run of games recently. Um, you know, the, the, the two road games we had, um, we did very well. And maybe the two home games we've had recently, we haven't done quite so well. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we're doing right at the moment. And, you know, we're keeping the ball and we're moving it around well. But we're not really doing the business um, in, the, in the final third of the pitch. And we're, and we're not converting the possession into goals. Um, on Saturday, you know, it was the same thing. We had a lot of the ball, but we only had two shots on target. Yes, we scored one, but one isn't enough. And I think Nesta himself once said, you know, you've got to score two goals at home to give yourself the best chance. And, um, you know, away from home, we seem to be quite fluent. And I think at home we get stage fright a little bit. Interesting. Okay, Omar, what would you see? Well, for the first game, let's go to the Ottawa game. Uh, uh, what is there really to see? It's a zero-zero draw. It was a very. It was a game that, towards the last ten minutes, seemed to open up a little bit, but nobody could finish in the final third. Uh, the game was uh, wasn't really necessarily a snooze fest in your typical zero-zero draws, but there's not much you can take away. Uh, to be quite honest, I did notice one thing is that in uh the Ottawa game, Pablo Campos had plenty of chances. He had about two or three chances to make sure that he could see what was going on or you can finish up on the back of the net one time he skied it wide i'm sorry he skied it high next time he kicked it just wide uh now with regards to the game against minnesota 1-1 i think we had a lot of the ball like lee said but at the same time when you can put something together in the final third you come up with only two shots and that's a big problem right because you can't have 60 percent possession and only have two shots that's that's literally 
like the United of the last two years in the sense that we're going to control and dictate pace and play, but we're never going to put the ball in the technical area and we're never going to fire at, you know, at the goal. And that's a problem. Yeah, I think that's definitely something we're going to want to dive into in a minute. Drew, what did you see from the last game? Um, I mean, the, the Ottawa game was scary. Obviously, it was a Wednesday game, and we kind of didn't have our, our full roster available. Also, there were issues, uh, I guess, with um, visas or passports for Martinez and uh, Palacios, so they couldn't make the away trip. Um to me, you know, it was it was a fairly boring game. I'm I'm happy to pull a point out of it because it was on the road and in Ottawa, but I felt like we should have done better. Um, the other thing that really stuck out was that Johnny Steele injury, like right off the bat of the game. It looked like he basically oh, yeah. broke his neck and minutes into the game got carted off. But um, during Saturday's match, he actually posted a picture uh, of him on the beach on Instagram, so I have a feeling he's all right. Um, I actually st- saw him at the stadium uh, wandering around during halftime during Saturday's game, so I'm assuming, you know, he's he's uh, in decent enough condition, but uh, no word on when he's going to come back. But that's just another concern with our team because we're on a, we're on a light squad right now, and it seems like the, the midfielders are dropping left and right. Yeah, I think there is definitely something to be said. I, I think we kind of poked fun uh, earlier in the season in the pre-podcast era when Miami FC were acquiring assorted midfielders uh, about where they were going to play, and it turns out maybe the front office had a little more uh, prescience about possible injury scenarios than we would give them credit for. Um, yeah, I, I do have to say, watching both games, the, the Ottawa game seemed as much as a an exercise in survival as anything. It, it really looked like two teams just ba- trying to keep their heads above water. And for being a nil-nil game, it wasn't it wasn't dire. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something terrible to watch. It just looked like, you know, the, the combinations that were put into play, and especially for Miami FC, having something like that happen to steal so early on, uh, you know, basically 10 minutes in, it's really kind of discombobulating. And you know you have to basically take your plan and rip it up and try it again, and yeah, and you're on the road. And again, for Miami FC, they should be trying to keep their head above water because it's a midweek road game. And and if you keep your head above water, that's a win. You know, a, a, a draw in that situation, I feel like, is a win. The Minnesota game, we we had talked about it that it was going to be difficult because Minnesota was going to come out trying to fire. And I actually think Miami did a good job of kind of absorbing the threat. Uh, absorbing the you know the 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 kind of intensity that Minnesota may have brought. Uh, yes, they did get the goal from Lang. Um, you know, you, my general position. I've said it before. I've said it again. Win at home, draw on the road. You've got yourself a hell of a team. Um, so a draw at home normally you're not like, hey, good job. Um, but I, I think that. Like Lee said, there was a lot of positive that you could still take even from a draw. And that, you know, not all draws are the same. And sometimes you see, oh, what a terrible effort, and you just happen to pull one out. Uh, I don't think from either one of these games, you know, we've come on this this podcast before and, 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 you know, said positive and said negative. And I don't think there's a lot of negative to pull from it. I, I think, like Lee said, there's, there's, there are some positives. Uh, and, yeah, you just got to build from it. Can I, uh, Matt, yes, if I can just course. jump in there, I, I, I think the, the, the one thing about Saturday is the manner in which we conceded the goal. We, you know, 
it was a, it was completely against the run of play. You know, out of all the players that a mistake could have happened to, it happened to Rhett Bernstein, who's been fantastic the whole season. And you know, it was a great finish um, uh, by by Lang for Minnesota. But you, you know, really, it should have been one nil. Um, and the, these these little moments can you know make a difference. But I I thought the scoreline flattered them a little bit. We've been through the the possession. We've been through the, the you know the chances that we didn't have. But you can't legislate for stuff like that. Stuff you know, a, a goal where a defender makes a mistake is occasionally going to happen. But um, but but I don't think that that you know tells the whole story of the game. No, I agree know. wholeheartedly. There, I agree a hundred percent. Omar, you were saying? Yeah, no, I don't think it tells the story of the game at all. I think Vega got caught in no man's land. Uh, I think it was a chip that could have easily sailed over the top of the net, and it happened to drop in for Lang, and it also could have been a miss hit altogether and just gone in Vega's shoulder. So, you know, it was a perfectly hit ball. Those things happened. As Lee just mentioned, Bernstein has been a defender throughout the season that has been, you know, reliable when called upon constantly. You know, these things happen. It's a bad break. This is literally the definition of a cooler. There's not much you can do about it. But I wanted to go back to something Drew said about the Ottawa game. And it makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit. How is it possible for a professional soccer team to not figure out visa issues for two of your players to go into Canada to play a game? That just, to me, doesn't make sense. I don't understand if somebody dropped the ball. But this is not something I think would happen in other upper-tier soccer leagues. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm not being too harsh on the front office. But, like... You gotta have your ducks in a row, especially when we're talking about Martinez and Palacios, two guys that are in your starting eleven out of necessity, and two guys who contribute game in and game out. Drew, I think you have the answer for hey, that. Omar, sorry, no, go ahead. sorry, Matthew, sorry, sorry, sorry. That uh, I mean to play devil's advocate there a little bit, Omar, is that I don't necessarily think it might be an issue with the front office. I think that when you're crossing an international border, there's certain things away from football that come into play. Now, Martinez is Cuban, and he's here. Maybe that's an True. issue. Palacios has, has, has been, like, in the UK, and, you know, the, the tiniest little stupid thing or mistake could have an effect on you getting a visa, crossing Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I... so, you know, you're right. You know, these things should maybe have been addressed in advance, though. So there's, there's, both, there's two sides to that story. No, and I agree with you. And you know what? When we first initially saw the 11 for the Ottawa game on Wednesday night, we both thought... Palacios and Martinez are not in the 18. Okay, good. This is a midweek draw, and we don't want to, you know, have these guys play an extra 90 minutes when we're going to need them on Saturday for a much tougher opponent in Minnesota United. I had no problems with it. I just found out, you know, three minutes ago that it was because of visa issues, and I get it. We have a Cuban defector on the team, and we have a guy from Honduras who has played around the world, and maybe there's an issue getting to Canada. Obviously, you don't want to lose your you know, temporary work status or your, uh, your, your, your line in the immigration visa, or I'm sorry, in, in your immigration, you know, because of a game. And I totally get it. But it's just one of those notions where you're like, wait a second, like, how can it come down to a visa? And yet we see all the time in most other sports that this isn't a problem. And I think what Matt was uh, trying to bait me out to earlier say, this is the NASL. <laughs> Bingo, baby. Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, you know, it, it's a bad situation, but we're not the only team doing this. I know in the past, Fort Lauderdale, a bunch of other NASL teams have had problems with uh, certain players traveling to Canada. Um, I'm 
you know, I'm not sure the precise reasons, but basically I know every once in a while, one or two or three roster spots can't travel to that country. So it, it, it's, it's an ongoing issue and it's, it's not just us. It's the, it's the league as an entirety, but um, I, it, if I were to choose maybe two players to get rest and play in that Minnesota game, those may have been the two players to choose from. So it shouldn't have affected us that much uh, in the, in the Ottawa game. I will say in, in a slight defense of the NASL, um, I, I do know while it does not happen as often, uh, I do know that sometimes, you know, when, when Major League Baseball players head to Toronto, that winds up being a bit more difficult than you would anticipate. And occasionally, rarely, 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 there are issues similar to this that arise. So I don't want to, I don't want us to, to, you know, line up and just start punching the NASL uh, here, uh, or or the front office, or or whoever you know the issue is, I I, I tend to think this is maybe something of a uh, a convenient uh, excuse. You know what I mean? It's is it worth the hassle to bring those guys along when you know you maybe don't want to play them anyway? Um, I think that the, the visa issues are legitimate, and it's something that you know if this game were say in mid October and we're getting close to the the end line and we're in a position to get into the playoffs. It's definitely something that the front office would want to have in order. Um, but yeah, sometimes getting up to Toronto is a little bit trickier than... Or not Toronto. Now I'm mixing up Major League Baseball. Getting up to Ottawa or Edmonton sometimes presents itself as a little more difficult uh, than we might anticipate. You had the province right, so that's all that matters. Yes. <laughs> uh, Ontario, stand up. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, I did want to discuss uh, the, the issue that was brought up... Um, Earlier, when we talked about shots on target, and specifically the Ottawa game, when we look at the stats for that Ottawa game, two shots on target for both teams, uh, which actually really surprised me. I, I, you know, I think that's maybe some perception bias there. Where, I, as a Miami FC fan, I'm like, oh, we aren't getting shots. Well, they didn't really either. Um, then you look at the Minnesota game, and you see Miami FC have three shots uh, on target. Um, that, to me, as Lee mentioned very early on, I, I find that to be a bit of a concern. Um, we sometimes, you know, going through the schedule, you see a lot of uh, score lines that stand out and then some lower score lines, but that's typical of soccer. However, um, is is there a legitimate concern with the, the like as, as Lee said, the final third, the ability to finish? Are we seeing uh, a problem here that could develop larger going forward? All right, I'm going to jump in there because um, I think there's one thing that makes this point very, very well. And the goal that we scored on Saturday was a great cross from um, from Calvin Resende, but it was a low-driven cross, right? And that's the sort of cross that people like Svitanich, Poku can convert. Um, Barajo was putting in a lot of crosses in from the right, but they were high. And with, when we don't have Campos or Chavez in the mix there, it's kind of a bit of a waste of the opportunity because you're not going to get like um, Dario knocking those in with his head and you're not, you're not going to get people arriving in the box. So I think it's a little bit of like, a, you know, a, the approach in the final third. Drilling those balls quickly along the ground into the box, I think is going to be a bit more effective for us. Are we all stunned to silence in our greens? I... I uh... Yeah, I, I, I agree with, their, with Lee wholeheartedly. I think that sometimes 
watching this team week in, week out, you start to see them, I mean, with any team, you start to see them develop patterns. You start to see them see the the styles in which they they choose or, you know, obviously the manager has certain uh, tactics that are deployed regularly and, and on the field, in the moment, you see decisions made by players and I think um, you see a lot of of those kind of high looping balls into the box, hoping someone knocks it in, and that doesn't play to our strengths. Like like Lee said, seeing that ball um, to Poku last game, it was kind of like a lightning bolt. Seeing that, like, oh wow, that's an option. That's a thing we can do, and that's good. That suits us. Now, obviously, it's a bit much to ask for. Hey, can you send in a perfect perfect ball across the box, low to right to the foot? Um, that's obviously a challenge, but at the same time. You know, if you start, if you're rolling the dice more and more, eventually it's going to come up the right combination. Well, you know what? I think it, it depends who you have on the field, right? So I'm going to kind of disagree to a point. Low-driven crosses for players like Dario or players that are vertically challenged, I should say, under that 5-10 range. Yeah, that's what's going to work for them. I don't think we're a tall team in terms of if you look across the board of our starting 11, what's the average height? Maybe 5'8", five, 5'9", five, across the board. But at the same time, if we see Vincenzo, Vincenzo Hanea uh, come into the game and we see uh, Poku, who's 6 feet tall, and we see Ariel Martinez, who's 5'11", if we can get these guys in the box on these crosses, you can still throw that aerial ball in. Yeah, we're going to run into defenders that are 6'3", 6'4", absolutely. But we see across the world that even if you're the shortest guy in the box, people can have the knack for finding their head on the ball and putting it in the back of the net. Is that something that we lack? Yes, I think that's the case. But I also think you just can't stop throwing balls in the air into the box and just settling for that ground cross because you don't necessarily always have the opportunity to get to work the ball into the box via the ground. Sometimes you do have to put it up there. Hopefully that the goalie gets into a situation where he's in no man's land and you can put one by him. Yeah, good point there, Omar. I mean, I mean, you are, of course, completely correct. I mean, when Vincenzo Renella is in the mix, you know, you, you can mix it up a little bit because a player like that, you put it on the ground, you put it in the air, you've got a chance. I mean, the benefit of my years as an amateur soccer player, um, it's always a little bit easier when you're defending and the ball is in the air because you just have to get something on it and get it out of danger. The attacking player has got to make just the right contact, make you know, make a make a jump, make a run at just the right time. So it's more difficult for the attacking player. But to be fair, Omar, you are right. It you know, it pays to mix it up. But I think on Saturday it would have paid a little bit more to work the ball into the box rather than just sling it in there and hope for I agree. Best. I agree. Yeah, I think ultimately you need a a diversified approach. I think you need to keep the the opposing team off guard. I think you need to adjust to the strengths and weaknesses of the the personnel you have on the field at the time. Um, and yeah, I, I I think I would like to see a little bit more of of that kind of ball in, but at the same time, you can't throw all your weight now to the other side. Um, so, we have two points from two games. Road game, one point. Pretty okay. I'm okay with it. At home, playing Minnesota, I'm maybe a little less okay with it, but at the same time, Minnesota is good, but the downside is, of course, now, you have thrown away, you have, you have given up an opportunity to track them down or track down the top of the table um, from your position. Miami FC are in fourth. Uh, they do still have that one game in hand 
on the table toppers, the New York Cosmos, although FC Edmonton are also at 23 points with one less game played. So I would actually, even though technically the Cosmos are on top, I would give uh, the Eddies the advantage right now. Then you have Indy 11, and then at 16 points, Miami FC. Uh, where do you guys see uh, going forward? Because we're, we're no longer at the, the beginning of this, the fall season. We're, we're right in the heart of it, right in the mix of it now. Um, what do you see going forward from this team? Obviously, as we head towards the, the next game against Puerto Rico uh, on Saturday uh, in Puerto Rico. That'll be interesting. Uh, what do you think should be the 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 game by game strategy maybe, or what changes would you suggest? What do you see? Uh, let's start with Drew. Um, I, I think it's going to be rough once again. I'll, I'll I keep bringing this back up, but I just don't know about players coming back. It was good seeing uh, Mike LaHood come on the pitch for uh, part of the second half in the last game, but. I think it's it's going to come down to tactics and strategy by Nesta. You know who who's who's available and who's gelling with who because um, as earlier we were talking about crosses. I th- I think some of these these lineups up front aren't just working with each other, and then throwing a new striker into the mix is always a challenge. So it's it's really going to come down to to once again the team gelling together and then figuring out the the right combination of people. I think the important part here is to know that is to see who we play next, right? So we have Puerto Rico FC coming up, and I think arguably everybody in this discussion is going to say that three points on the road in Puerto Rico are a must if you want to keep up with the pace. Edmonton in front of us, who we still play twice in the season, they're on a torrid, torrid pace. They are burning the ground under their feet. It's amazing what they're doing. And the Cosmos, who we still play once at New York, uh, are also running at a toward pace, you know, 23 points in 10 games. That's not a discredit to what Miami has done. 16 points in 10 games is fantastic, and there were chances for us to walk out of here with close to possibly 22, 23 points as well. A late goal against the Cosmos, obviously having a 0-0 draw in Ottawa, and then having a 1-1 tie uh, on Saturday against Minnesota here at home. So it's important to take care of business because the road ahead is only going to get harder. This is our next, this is possibly our last. We need, we should win this on paper. We should win this, you know, in a thousand simulations of NASL soccer. Uh, So we need to wrap up the business and take care of Puerto Rico before we all of a sudden hit the stretch of difficult games coming up. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can really add to that is to a certain extent, the, the fall season is becoming less and less relevant because, you know, if we're talking about the playoffs, you know, four teams get in the playoffs, the spring champion, the fall champion, and then the two best in the combined standings. Now, we're so far back in the combined standings that I think it's going to be more difficult to get in through that route. We really have to look at winning the fall season. And as, you know, as the guys have just said, it's, that's going to be a big ask with how many points we are at the moment off the eddies. Which translates to Saturday in Puerto Rico is a must win. No doubt about it. It's, it's three points or bust for me. If we, if we get a draw or we don't win that game, we're going to be in serious trouble in terms of getting through to the playoffs. Now, I know that there's a long-term plan, but the owners have said, you know, our plan is to get into the playoffs and win or whatever. If that's true... We've got to win on Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, you got to keep this in mind, right? So in the combined standings, we're currently sitting ninth. We did have a horrid spring season. And if you look at the top four, guess who the top four are? The Cosmos, 
Edmonton, Indy 11, and Minnesota United. And Indy 11 has already won the spring season, so they're automatic qualifiers to get in. So as we talked about last week, realistically speaking, the combined standings is going to run through those four teams. And guess what? The three teams that are in front of us and the team in fifth place are those same four teams. So as Lee just said, three points are a necessity. I'm a big stickler. I love saying road draws, home wins, but this is a road game against a team that's not gelling very well together, that has Puerto Rican national team issues, you have to go into Puerto Rico and walk out with three points. Yeah, I would definitely say, considering Puerto Rico have eight points from 11 games, you know, that's a mix of home and away. You know, as I said earlier, you know, and and basically, Omar, as you just basically said, uh, throw that old rule book out the window. If you don't get three points here... At some point, you're just there's too much ground to cover and too little time to do it. And as Lee said, just to kind of go over that combined table is very important to understand as well. Miami FC currently sitting, and again, it tells really tells you the tale of two seasons. Currently sits ninth in the combined table. Currently sits fourth in the fall table. And those top five teams in the fall season are Miami FC at four at four, uh, and then the top four teams from the fall season. So you really have. You have four teams that have showed quality over the course of the entire year, and then Miami FC, which really <laughs> kind of turned things around around July 1st. Uh, so, you know, you sometimes you wonder what if you could go back and what if you could take this team back to April and try it again. But, you know, right now, basically the only realistic path forward, if Miami FC does have a, any chance of getting to uh, the playoffs, is to win that full season title. And real quick, so I was kind of hoping, and I wasn't able to find one today, an NASL strength of schedule, or or remaining strength of schedule, because as I had a quick view of our schedule today, we still play Puerto Rico twice. We still play the Rowdies twice. You know, we still have one game against Jacksonville. Granted, as we mentioned earlier, we still play Edmonton twice, and we have one more against the Cosmos, and one more against Indy, but... At the same time, our schedule remaining throughout the rest of the year is not that difficult. We have a very difficult stretch coming up, but if you can walk out of that stretch with more points than points given away, in other words, I should say, uh, you're going to see a really strong chance of having a really solid run. But again, that's us predicting the future and playing the games out on paper. As we all know, these games are not played on paper. That's why there's grass. That's why there's a ball. So... It's really important to see, and I would love to see what Edmonton has left. I would love to see what the Cosmos have left. And I would love to see really what Indy 11 has left. Because if their next games are going to be all against each other, believe me, everybody in discussion is going to be rooting for draws left and right. If all their games are still amongst you know the top half of the table, Miami FC has a decent shot at here, even though being seven points out with one game in hand. So it really just depends on how the rest of the schedule shapes up for these other three or four teams compared to how ours does shape up. And maybe next week I'll be able to extrapolate the data and, and bring that back. All right, go to the old Miami FC Univac and start punish, punching in some numbers. Hopefully we can have that back for next week. Um, so, uh, as we said, quick reminder, kind of reset. Next game for Miami FC is this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. at Juan Ramon Lubriela Stadium in Puerto Rico. Uh, it is the first time Miami FC is playing Puerto Rico FC, also known as the Fighting Anthony's. Uh, so I guess Fighting Carmelos would work better there. Anthony's the Fighting Carmelos. The Fighting Carmelos. They wear robes to their games. Yeah, right. Um, so um, 
the game is on ESPN3 online and on Gold TV uh, if you have Gold TV at your house. And if you have Gold TV at your house, then you must have the most ultimate of cable packages because I think it kind of only goes... I actually have do Gold you TV really? in my house because that's how I roll. I do well. I I have the channel. I just I haven't paid for it. But if the option is well, there, no, I think everyone in theory everyone has it. But I feel like on, it's its. I, I feel like it's its own tier. <laughs> like because. Oh, I, I, Matt, I thought you meant like you were watching like over the air with. Bunny oh no 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 no! I mean, so I meant cake. that. I feel <laughs> like Gold TV is is like above BN. Like you have to buy like the. The Brazilian package or something oh, yeah. like you know what you, I mean. Like it's, you, you got to be deep for that one. Yes, like it's. <laughs> yep. it, it, it doesn't matter where I go, I get the Brazilian package. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, anyway, anyhow. Um, so, uh, I, something I did want to talk about actually. I, I, anything else to add about the games before we move on? Uh, I, I'll go. I'll go on for a little bit. Uh, go ahead. I, I feel like. Uh, Rizende with that assist is uh, coming up really big for us. He's had a couple uh, Man of the Match awards, you know, since uh, all these guys have been on injury, and he's really showing kind of a, a fight to get in the midfield. Um, the other thing was Dario kind of did his thing, and I feel like he was trying to milk a lot of penalties out that game. I'm not going to go big on that one, but it was just kind of frustrating. Um, also, I, I would just like to say, uh, comment on the attendance. We had 9,000 people there. It was a back-to-school night, but this was... That was the next point I was going to make. Yeah, this, this was basically, like, a more realistic version of opening day. You know, all these people were fans. They weren't there to see a reggaeton artist. Uh, it, it was just an incredible atmosphere, and it was it was great to see this team get that. So I hope, uh, coming up, we're, we'll keep doing these, these heavy numbers, uh, regardless of whatever kind of promotion we have to throw at them. But it, it was a great game, especially with no rain delay. Amazing. I, I mean, uh, I, I want to get on to what Drew just said, because one of the reasons I'm here is that only 50% of people on this podcast actually Ooh. made it to the game. And I want to talk about oh, the atmosphere boy. in a second. <laughs> oh, that, that's boy. why we skipped over all that. Low but, blow. I was going to bring oh. it up and let you guys talk about it. And then I leave you sell me down the river. Uh, I didn't mention any names. To be fair, I did not mention any names. Now I want to mention one thing about the players, and um, and I've got to, I've got to come out in defence of Blake Smith. Now Blake Smith is kind of amongst certain supporters. There's 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 you know an intake of breath or a raised eyebrow when he's on the team sheet or when he gets the ball. But I thought Blake had a great game on Saturday, and you know he's I think he's played more than anyone else on the team. And I think just because he's, you know, he's not in the back making the crucial stops and he's not at the front, you know, putting the ball in the net, there's so much that Blake does that I really appreciate. You know, he, you know he's chasing the ball down when it's, you know, the, the, the last minute of the game. Um, he's always positive with his play. And, you know, if there's been a consistent performer, then it has been Blake Smith. He hasn't done anything sensational yet. He hasn't done what, say, Ariel has with, like, key goals. But, I mean, he had another great game. He had another great game on Saturday, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Now, going on to the other thing Drew said real quickly, the atmosphere at the game was unbelievable. I'm not going to bore you with, you know, I've been around the block. I've watched soccer all over the world. That was the most fun I've had in a long, long time. 
And you can talk about a long-term plan. You can talk about Miami fans only come out for a winning team. But if it's cheap and it's fun, you know, the people there are going to come back for their next game. Even though it's a Friday night, they're going to come back. We were shouting, jumping up and down, singing. There were all kinds of people there. It was phenomenal. And that is so good after what happened in the previous game, which I will admit I wasn't at, against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers where we had the rain delay. The atmosphere was impeccable. And if we can recreate that or make it even better, we were going to do just fine. Uh, yeah, I, I very much wanted to to mention that. Lee and I had a bit of a, a chat back and forth during the game because I was unfortunately called into work kind of on last-minute notice, but I was able to watch from my computer. And I was remarking about the sound. And I've watched Miami FC from home before on ESPN3, and obviously I've been there. Um, and I just was remarking how loud it was, how loud it sounded. And Lee did point out that there was a microphone near the Dade Brigade end, but it didn't sound like it was being used. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an audio expert, but I have some familiarity. I, I've kind of worked in sports broadcasting a tiny bit, and I... Well, well to, to, to sure. stop you there briefly, Matt, I am an audio expert, and I frankly think they had to mix this down because that's yes, how loud that's we were. that's what I, I, I was going to say. Either they are turning that mic the other way to kind of dampen it or they're they're mixing it down because it does not sound like a, a, a direct mic at a crowd. It sounds much more ambient. I could hear the Day Brigade group, but it, it sounded ambient. It was And it was really kind of startling. I mean, I... Not not to say we haven't been loud before, but just I didn't see the full crowd shots. I just saw the pitch, and then I heard the crowd. And at some point, you can't sweeten the crowd noise enough. Like at some point, it's going to sound ridiculous. And so it wasn't you know them mixing different sounds together. It was this very loud crowd. And then you see the pictures, and you see the 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 video recap by the team, and all this stuff. And it was really remarkable. And as we said, it was back to school night. They did a great job of marketing. I feel like every week I come on and say whenever there's a home game, hey, team's doing a better job of marketing. Team's doing a better job of marketing. Team's doing a better job of getting out to the community. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I am not intimately aware of everything inside the front office. I do appreciate the approach of the new CEO, uh, Sean Flynn, who seemed to be really good about engaging with the community, reaching out to local media, and, and these new theme nights that the team is developing. I think these are recipes. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but considering the attendance that we had the first half and the attendance we have the second half, I think you definitely see some building blocks. To, okay, he, they found their footing. Yeah, I think they found their footing, and I wonder – with him being so good about what's going on with Miami FC, I wonder if his hands were tied. Because he was previously with the Marlins organization. And we all know, us South Florida fans, we all know how bad the Marlins PR really is in South Florida amongst fans. So I almost wonder if this is just an exuberance of freedom where he's <laughs> able to say, hey, I want to do this and we're going to go ahead and do it and not have a stingy owner behind him being like, no, 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 revenue sharing, we need that money, boo-boo. Um but before I get off on that tangent, guys, remember the next game is Saturday, September 3rd at 7.30 p.m. We will be where we always are on road games. We will be at Fritz and Franz in Miracle Mile. Remember, it is behind the Poyotropic Cow right off the corner of 37th Avenue and Coral Way. So make sure that you go ahead and park. There is street-side parking. There is garage parking all around the building. Please keep in mind, we'll have beer specials. Drew can go ahead and... Uh, uh, elaborate on what kind of specials we get if Miami scores and if Miami wins the game. 
please keep in mind to come out, hang out with us, Day Brigade. We will have merchandise available at Fritz and Friends. And as always, as we've mentioned before, if you don't want to pick up something or you are short on cash that day, all our merchandise is always readily available at www.daybrigade.com. You go to the shop corner up top, you'll have the shirts, the membership packages. Ladies, we have head scarves for you. We also have scarves widely available. Feel free to pick some up. Support Dade Brigade, support Miami FC Soccer, and we will see you Saturday night at 7.30 sharp at Fritz and Friends in Coral Gables. Uh, just to confirm that Omar is available for weddings, <laughs> yeah. bar mitzvahs, and infomercials he with delivery the like hustle. that. And by the way, Omar, I did get your theme song into I the last it. podcast. I did, I did a little bit of fixing in post. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to try to get that one again somehow. because It was is, chopped and screwed. It was cut and sued. I like it. You know it. Um... Yeah, it was. He is always on the cell, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so yeah, be there uh, at uh, Fritz and Franz. It'll be a good game. Uh, interesting to see um, Miami FC playing uh, another uh, off of uh, out of the continental United States game over in Puerto Rico. Um, so, couple things to discuss before we wrap it up uh, for today. I think we're going to shift a- away from Miami FC and discuss a, l- a couple of news stories in the league. Um, First, let's start with the series story and then move on to the absurd, because uh, I think that'll be the, the better transition. Um, a story that was uh, really covered well by Empire of Soccer, which does a really good job of, of NASL coverage, um, Cosmo-specific, but they also, you know, I mean, I should say New York-specific, but they also kind of have good uh, sources outside. Uh, reports of a racial abuse accusation in the Edmonton-Puerto Rico game. Uh, this game occurred on the 28th. Uh, uh, the NASL does not comment on investigations while they're ongoing, but um, Empire Soccer did a good job of kind of collecting some information. There was a a stomping and a straight red shown for uh, Saini Niasi uh, of Edmonton. Uh, Ramon Soria was um, the victim there. And then things got a little nasty, apparently. There was a bit of a scrum. And then according to Chris Nurse, Christopher Nurse, former striker, former uh, Cosmo, former Tampa Bay Rowdy, um, he's accusing Nicholas DiBiase of Argentina and also of the uh, the, uh, the Eddies of making a racist comment uh, in Spanish. Um, I don't want, I'm not going to break down every single thing about it. However, I think this is this is something that I don't recall seeing in in, in the NASL before. Uh, I think Drew, maybe your institutional knowledge is a little bit superior to mine but uh this is maybe a bit of a not maybe a a bit of a concerning turn yeah i i haven't actually uh really seen this in the past or remember this happening which is um pretty unfortunate that it's going on in the league and and it came down to that but um i i'd like to see how the nasl handles this because the you know obviously in the past years the league has gotten better and it's looking more professional so I want to see how they handle this uh, investigation and what kind of uh, penalties they hand out afterwards because uh, it's probably new waters for Bill Peterson. He's dealing with some other stuff. so. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No yeah. kidding. We'll get to that in a second. I think it's really – I mean, it, it, it mean, for, for me oh, – no, um, oh, come on. Go, you go All first. Right, so, uh, listen, with the intensity that Chris Nurse ran out onto the pitch to confront – you know, the person, DiBiase, I'm sorry, I forgot his name there for a second, uh, who allegedly spouted off the racial slur. 
to go out with that intensity, that means he heard it. And that means that you can probably read between the lines and see that something was said. Was it a racial slur in itself? But that we'll never know unless we were on the pitch or we were within, you know, ears distance of what happened. But it's sad to see. It's sad to see because, you know, Lee, I, I kind of want your take on this, which is kind of why now I'm a little happy that you let me go first. Racism in the U.S. soccer pyramid uh, is something that's not very common. Yes, you have supporters groups that have yelled out things that are derogatory, and they've been chastised for it, and as well they should be. But I feel as if we in the United States pyramid do such a better job of controlling the language and controlling the slurs and controlling the game, the atmosphere, as opposed to our counterparts in Europe, where we see more advert racism by certain clubs, and usually those on the lower divisions, to be fair to the upper division clubs. But at the same time, when UEFA has to come out and have say no to racism campaigns, there's a reason they're doing that. It's because it doesn't stop. So I kind of want Lee's opinion because he is kind of our go-to soccer expert in the worldly sense as he has been able to live in multiple countries around the world and and, and obviously with his beautiful British accent, we know where he's from. (laughs) So I kind of wonder what his thoughts are there. Well, I mean, it's, it's a hugely sensitive issue. Uh, but I'm old enough, unfortunately, uh, to remember, you know, back in back in England when, you know, in the 80s when black players would have bananas thrown at them, which is reprehensible. It's awful. And you know, football, uh, soccer, sorry. Um, has you're fine, Lee, you're such, fine. Uh, I know, I know, I'm sorry. It has gone through such, um, gone through such a, a positive change in regards to tackling racism. Is it perfect? No. Um, but is it doing better? Yes, it is. Now, I'm surprised no one else has has brought it up yet. But the whole thing with um, Luis Suarez and Patrice Evra, what one person from one culture says to another person, can you know that has ramifications. You know, Suarez felt he was saying something that was okay. Patrice Evra was offended. And I just say that as an example. I'm not saying that that's what happened for in this sure. For situation. sure, I was actually going to use that. In you, a you go, go ahead. yeah. You, you you go to Eastern Europe. You go to Russia. Racism is a massive, massive issue. Black players, um, players of color, however you you want to say it, have uh, have a rough time there with with racial abuse. Um, I think the thing is, you have to show that it's not acceptable. And if there is any evidence that a racial slur has been used on the field in an NASL competition, the NASL has no choice but to come down heavily on that player to send a message to the supporters, to send a message to the players, that it is not acceptable, because it is not acceptable. I will definitely say, I, I the, the thing that the, the situation that most jumped out to me reading this story was Suarez and Evra. And now, obviously, if you've listened to the podcast before, I am a Liverpool supporter. Omar's a Manchester United supporter. I'm going to put that to the side for a second. I I do think it is very important. And, and as Omar said, luckily, I mean, unless we are ignorant of this fact somehow, and I would say that the four of us are generally probably more in tune with American soccer than most, unless we are completely ignorant, I would say that 
our soccer federation and and our competitions within the United States, it's actually probably something that the U.S. can actually say, hey, this is somewhere where we do pretty well on race, whereas maybe you look at other issues and we can't do that so often. This is probably one area where we do a really solid job generally. And that, as you said, you can look at other countries and there are these issues. However, because of this kind of melting pot that we have with soccer, there are different standards and expectations that players bring with them. And and this is something I thought with um, with the Suarez situation. Um, you know, there are certain words that are used in certain languages that have certain meanings. And, you know, if you talk with a Spanish speaker and those words are used... It, it, it's it's used entirely different. And, and I feel like, and I, I will be very open and candid about something that maybe I find uncomfortable and, and with expectations, some, some of the cheers and chants that are, are used even in our end, I think sometimes there are some word choices that I don't feel comfortable using from my perspective, but I know the positions of other peoples and I understand where they're, they're, they're coming from on that so I, I I feel like sometimes th- th- this is a this is a larger conflict that's not boiling hot, but it is something that is there. I think especially for the Anglo soccer supporter in the United States. Um, but generally, I think the biggest thing that NASL can do, that the MLS can do, that really every league can and should do, is create a a standard. And uh, that sounds very basic, but I mean. Uh, what is the standard in terms of language that is acceptable and that is not? And I think once you've done, obviously there are some things that should be pretty damn obvious. But even then, you should you sh- there should be. And again, if I'm ignorant of this and the NSL is already doing this, then what's the excuse? And I'm not excusing this, obviously. However, I'm I'm kind of creating two different conversations. First conversation: this is wrong, obviously. And 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 just really discussing race at all is, is is in a context of soccer is wholly inappropriate and unnecessary. You know, there's heat of the moment stuff and name calling, but that's absurd. And and anyone should know better than that. However, I do think this is an opportunity for the NASL to lead and say, okay, not only are we going to do something about this, we're going to make sure that every single player who steps foot on the pitch or in practice in this league knows exactly what is and what is not acceptable. And if there are language barriers, then it needs to be communicated appropriately and it needs to be understood. And, and you know, that goes for everyone. And that's across the board. Uh, and, yeah, I think this, this will be a, a very interesting uh, test case for Bill Peterson. And I want it to be noted, too, you know, as, as Matt was saying, you know, please excuse our, our ignorance if we haven't seen these cases or we're not talking about it. But please don't take our take here on Magic City Soccer as an absolute we're not saying that it doesn't happen. We're saying that there's always going to be, and we all know that there's going to be one to ten idiots at every game that are going to mouth off with either racial abuse, gender abuse, ethnicity abuse, sexual orientation abuse. Unfortunately, we live in a society where that's going to happen, where you're going to have a very, very small number of people who can't control or can't restrain themselves from using that language at a game. So we're not saying that they're correct or that we're ignoring it. We're saying that in the essence of the players on the pitch, the fact that we have to bring up race or the fact that this is an issue is, is very appalling. And if something was said, it's it's really important, though, that not only NASL, but let the team, you know, take accountability for that player and suspend him or fine him for his actions. 
because that's how you send the message. You don't send the message from the league coming in and saying, hey, buddy, you now you have a two-match ban, and you're going to forfeit a game check. When the team voluntarily does it, that's when you send the message around the league. That's when you send the message to everybody else in your staff and in your organization that this is frowned upon, and we're not doing it. If I could stand and applaud right now, Omar, I would. I think you're completely correct. I mean, it, it, the, the thing is, the true tragedy is that, you know, we have to take 10 minutes to, to talk about this because we have to address it. It's a talking point and it's important that we, we, we get a point across that, it, that it's not acceptable and it's not good. Um, but, you know, uh, to go back to what Omar initially said, is like, is, is the US a little bit better on this kind of thing? To be honest, I think it is. And I think Omar is right. I think the club has the power to send the strongest message, and I hope that happens. I, I will say two parts, and I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm disagreeing on that particular point, Lee, and I'm not. I think that the club should come out first and be the, the strongest voice here. I do, however, think it would be very beneficial to the overall goal of minimizing this kind of thing. If the league does work with its part, work with its partner clubs and create a kind of universal standard to make sure that there isn't the the confusion, that there isn't the 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 mix-ups, because ultimately, I I often feel like these incidents come, and obviously there are plenty of examples of people who will just have deep-seated anger and bigotry. I oftentimes feel like some of these situations also come from ignorance that there's. There is a there is a a, a, a misunderstanding, uh, and again, I, I I really feel like I sound like I'm I'm defending the player, and I'm not. This is this is not something that should be done. I want this gone, and ultimately, I think that the easiest way to get it gone is not only to set the 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 hard example of you messed up. This needs to be punished. But hey, everyone else, this if if you think you're you're going to get this slip by because you're saying it in a different language, you're not because this is what. These are the, the, the red lines. These are the things that can't be crossed. And our referees are going to be trained to hear these things and seek these things out. And don't think you can slip something by someone because it's in a different language. These are the, these are the things that cannot be – these are the lines that can't be crossed. And I, I do feel like it would, it would be beneficial for the league. The first step is the individual punishment, and I do think that should be handled at the club level. And if the club doesn't, then the league steps in. Secondarily, though, I think it's it's a bigger picture conversation that the league should absolutely establish a kind of, you, you know, you can have a no tolerance policy, and that's all well and good to use that phrasing, but what is the things that are not tolerated? And I think that's only fair to, to the players as well. I, I, I think it's you need to be fair to the players and the league both, that there needs to be a very clear, understood standard, and that when that standard is violated, the punishment that comes down is a, a ton of bricks. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, um, Matt, and, and and I think, sorry, I think my, my mic is a bit low, sorry, my, I, I think you're right, Matt, well, no, you are right, um, there, there needs to be, like, a code of conduct or whatever, and um, I think the thing is, you learn from these sort of things, and you move forward, and you make the environment better, so you are completely correct, and you make a valid point, and a, a point that needs Great. to be Great, okay, so... Speaking of better <laughs> environments... Let's Where did he come from? Cannonball! Physical environment. <laughs> of course, Drew has been champing at the bit for the last hour 
waiting to get to this story. Let's let's end on a light note. Now that we've tried to solve all the problems in the world, let's talk about some. Oh, some we're going to end on the lightest of notes. Uh, I'm going to read from uh, the the lead by Jake Nutting at Empire of Soccer again because it is pretty fantastic. When Ryo OKC was announced late last year, everyone expected a turf war between them and the still relatively young USL team OKC Energy to brew. However, no one expected that a literal turf war would break out among the NASL club's investors instead. According to a report from James Poling of the Oklahoman, minority owner Sean Jones removed nearly half of the team's artificial turf pallets without informing any team officials last week. The expansion club has been using the removable artificial turf system Nextfield at UConn High School's Miller Stadium to cover football lines and widen the field by covering up track. Um, Yeah, this is... Drew, I know, you've been waiting on this. What do you think about this story? (laughs) This is amazing. And (laughs) I, 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 I actually read the guy's response, and it sounded fairly legit. Like, he's the minority owner, but it sounded like he put up all the money for the AstroTurf and put out a loan for it. So I I almost don't blame the guy, but I just imagine him being some kind of Nicolas Cage-like character in National Treasure. <laughs> I tried to tell you guys I was going to take the AstroTurf. Nobody believed me. Like, uh, I, 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 the articles. Uh, I gotta say, I gotta say, it's it's it sounds like something the strikers would do. <laughs> Didn't they swap a player for some tracksuit sometimes? Oh, you stole this guy's tire. thinking. Oh, you know, we we can we can. Fight. How didn't didn't Rio say? Oh, you have to take the bus to all the games. Well, how do you get a bus to Puerto Rico? Well, how do you pay for the fucking flight? You you gotta sell the turf, steal the turf, set it. Where's the turf gone? Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, th- this is really evocative. Of, of the the hotel transfer, Drew. If you would give the details on that, because uh, that is one of the all timers, the the one of the NASLES stories of all time. It actually ties back into us because it was involved with the Michael Hood trade. But um, I think it was two years ago. The uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers' best player Walter Estrepo was traded to the. Uh, at that time, it was... The uh, San Antonio Scorpions. San Ant- yeah, San Antonio Scorpions. I was going to say the Cosmos, but I knew that wasn't true. Uh, they traded him to the Scorpions straight up for uh, hotel rooms and travel to a San Antonio game. Yes. Which became like the typical Major League Baseball, we're trading you for a bag, bag of balls and bats kind of story. <laughs> and then, uh, then uh, whatever, Restrepo got traded eventually to the Cosmos, and Restrepo made it to uh, Bethlehem Steel and was loosely involved in the Michael Hood trade. Full circle. It's a small world after all. Full circle. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. So James Poling um, actually put out a, a report from Sean Jones. Sean Jones wrote Mr. Poling a, basically what seems like a response to the situation. And it's important to note that Mr. Jones of the minority owner at Ryo OKC says, quote, I purchased the turf field individually in March as a solution to both the football line issue and the field size issue, trying to prepare the stadium to host NASL games this year. The majority owner of Ryo OKC, which is Spanish two-side after being recently uh, demoted, Ryo Vallecano, made it abundantly clear that we suggested purchase of the field as the only solution that they disagreed and would not contribute to the purchase of the field. If this minority owner actually went out and purchased all 92 pieces 
40 of which he took back. 92 pieces of turf on his own dime. And there is no contract with a Spanish, what was a top flight team. Look, there's nobody else to blame but Rayo Vallecano at this point, right? Because if the guy bought the turf and then decided, listen, you guys want to kick me out or you guys want to sell my team or make me give up my share in stakes, I'm going to take my turf back. Seems fair. If you don't have a contract for a year-long lease or an 11-month lease or however long the season is, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It doesn't make any sense, and this is one of the best stories I think we're going to see this year. And I really feel bad for the people of Oklahoma City and the fans of Rayo OKC because they have been given a shit burner. Just an absolute shit burner of a club who's they've literally been all over the place. They've lost two managers. Ownership and turmoil. It's really important, I think, that NASL's Board of Governors uh, get together and see how they can find another ownership group here. I know that Texas is a desired spot for the NASL to go into, and I think San Antonio or Austin would be prime spots to, to get a club. So if they could somehow relocate Rio KC and maybe make them the uh, Austin Aztecs or the San Antonio Scorpions, I think that'd be the prime bet, uh, the prime move. This way, we don't come into a situation now where the NASL is back to eleven teams and a little bit unbalanced. Well, I think that we could say that OKC have got ninety-nine problems and the pitch is one. Pitch is one. Well done. Well done. Lee Ivins, ladies and gentlemen, try the VO. I thank you. Waiters. I thank you. So, uh, what's astounding to me about this is they're sixth in the fall season table. They are three points behind. Like that team, like <laughs> that team is a dumpster fire, and kind of has been since the first game. And they win, and like they get like I can't, but like we loved uh, complaining about our situation in the spring, man. But we had stable ownership and a stadium that's pretty solid. And and how does this team do? Like how does this team not last? How is this team not dead? I don't understand. That's it. the thing. They're good. They're actually a well put together team with crappy ownership and crappy management and a crappy front office. And somebody on Reddit in the story put out that Jackie Jackie Moon just put the words out Jackie Moon. Uh, if you guys have ever seen uh, the movie with Will Ferrell, and it's it's the name of the team is uh, eluding my memory. The Flint at the moment. Tropics. That's not the name of the movie, but that's the team that he owns. Yeah. This is Ryo's OKC's ownership. The name of the movie yeah. is Semi-Pro. Semi-Pro. This, is, <laughs> this is perfect. It's Jackie Moon. Jackie Moon has to be running this team. The next thing you know, there's going to be a bear fight at their next game. I, I think we should just make a uh, mock, mockumentary for their team just called Division 2 and get Will Ferrell to play uh, Michelle. <laughs> Uh, you should have kept that one to yourself, uh, Drew, because that's a million-dollar idea that you've just given away to the whole of the world. Yeah, this I mean, it's only like 10 people, so don't worry about Drew, it. Yeah, Drew yeah. is benevolent. If nothing else, he is benevolent, just handing out good ideas. Um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, Drew, as I referenced earlier, Drew, one of my favorite like catchphrases of all time is yours that just it's NASL. Is, is this the NASL-iest story of all time? Has to be. I, I don't think of all time, but I'll go for this season. Okay, what's your all timer then? Or are we gonna say we'll have to we'll have to create a poll for another week though. I, I have to I have to collect some more some more great stories. I think the Restrepo one definitely is up top. Yes, but... no, I, I 
Yeah, yeah. It also, also imagine if a soccer team ended up playing at a cricket ground. Oh, <laughs> boy. Gotcha. Or Marcina being fired at a baggage claim. Oh, God, that's right. All right, all right. Drew, you have homework. But for next week, right. we're going to put up a poll in the NASL story of all time. Speaking of which, I'm actually glad you referenced the polls yeah. because... Are, are we going to a round two? Because I noticed there were a lot more uh, contestants than we original talk, originally talked about. So let's review the, the the polls we have right now. We'll get out on that this week, and, and we'll, uh, we'll 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 put in some more competition. So last week we discussed with you of the following four: which do you consider the better team mascot? We'll, we'll start positive, then go negative. And as I predicted, Filbert Fox, once and future champion, forty two percent of the vote. Burnley B, very close, a respectable fight with thirty three percent. Pilgrim Pete who I just kind of searched up and found fantastic with an awesome mustache at 25%. And Ozzy the Owl, I, th- I thought he got short shrift. He didn't get one vote. I mean, he's pretty freaking adorable, I tell you what. Um, now, the, the the flip side, which is obviously <laughs> the more fun, um, Herbie Hammer, the terrifying hammer mascot of West Ham United, got no votes. I think, again, that's that's a rough one. Uh, yeah, he got gypped. Yeah, Bradford City's the city gent, which apparently is just an old guy in a bowler hat. In a, <laughs> it's just a man in a hat. It's not a mascot. It's a, it's a, it's a man. Not in shape in a hat. He's it's just not a got mascot. A bowler that doesn't on, work. He's just walking he around in a jersey like what a lazy ass mascot. That's one of the. <laughs> that de- that's our mascot next year. Oh my god, please. It's like it's like his he, he's, he's yes. a Miami crackhead, you know. It's like you know level yeah, one. Flacco running around in a bowler hat. <laughs> El hombre de Miami, please. Miami, Miami FC front. Hola, abuela de Miami FC. That's it. That's it. Please. Yeah, what's your face? Croquetas in the stands. Oh yes. What's the girl from the, those Facebook videos? Jenny from uh, that company, Me Too. Oh, you can just yes. get her to do it. Yes. Oh my God, no! I want a, an abuela as a mascot, man. Please, <laughs> Sean Flynn. Listen, Sean genius Flynn. ideas. We're just handing if for them any out. sick reason you're still listening <laughs> or have ever listened. We want an abuela. We want, we want a Miami FC abuela. Okay, so uh, in second place uh, was Hotshot with a quarter of the votes. Uh, I find Hotshot to be fine. It's 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 basically just Red Sonic. It's 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 inoffensive, but I threw it in there for fun. And then of course, it, with sixty-seven percent of the vote, there could be no doubt Kingsley. Of Patrick Thistle, you are oh. so wrong. That's the finest mascot. You, that, I, can't, I, I just can't. That was I can't part of with the that. Problem with the poll, where there is worst, but then best worst. <laughs> there was two ways to look at the poll. Oh my god! I look at that and it haunts my dreams. It's like the exact inverse of the the baby sun on Teletubbies. Like if Teletubbies went to hell, that's the sun that would arise on Teletubbies in hell. Oh my god, I'm looking at it now, and I I both don't want to look and can't look away. Um, so we're going to uh, we're going to canvas. You know, I I I've heard some rumbles about some different suggestions. Uh, I'm gonna put Kingsley, and I'm oh gonna Matt, put... I got to jump in there. I got I got to put in there. There's a there's a frankly terrifying mascot that Southend United had that is called Sammy the Shrimp or something. But if oh, you saw want him something out of your dreams, it looks like it looks like Freddy Krueger's son. It's it's terrible. Okay, hold on. I'm looking at. Oh my god, what is that? It's of what is that? Right. <laughs> what I showed you guys this last week. You you know I I do remember that now. And for some reason, the Wichita State Shocker is in there now too, and that's kind of a bad one from 
college sports, but yeah, that's weird. It I'm sorry, like... did you just say the Wichita State Shocker? Yes. Is that a okay. thing? Yes, the Shockers. So, oh, yeah, wow. look, Lee, do yourself a favor and look up Wichita State Shocker. And it is. Okay, I'll, I'll sure open an incognito window. Yeah. <laughs> if you're at work, make sure safety is yes. turned Especially on. with this Sammy the Shrimp thing, because it looks like some sort of sexual device. I don't know. <laughs> it's very strange. It's too right, strange. I'm glad you said that, not me. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, we're definitely doing this again. We're gonna pit. Uh, we're gonna pit. Uh, uh, we're gonna put pit Filbert Fox and Kingsley up against some new competition in the next week. If you have ideas for good or bad or bad good or good bad mascots, uh, do submit them to at Magic City Soccer. Uh, we will get them in and match them up. <laughs> and, and we may have we may have a surprise for you if you submit us horrible mascots. Yes. Yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a Wichita State shocker for you. <laughs> <laughs> so see us at the tailgate. That's what we call foreshadowing, we'll ladies give and you gentlemen. The Drew is giving you a little bit of foreshadowing. It will pay off for you to be listening to this podcast in the next couple of weeks. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Uh, so. Um, any more business, gentlemen? Yes, we have a British guy on the show, so it's only fair to go across the pond and have your oh, premier league weekend it. recap. God damn it. Yes. I love it. This is podcast. my best part of the podcast because at the top of the table, tied at the top of the table, let's put gold differentials aside because those are no fun anyway. We have United, City, and Chelsea. After the international break, we have a huge Manchester derby coming up for sole possession of first place. Yay. And since we have a British guy on the program today sir what is your take what is your most surprising take on the premier league so far this season well i don't think there really has been much in the way of surprises i think it's um you know after last season it's back to business as usual isn't it um uh i'm very surprised about the joe hart thing i I think maybe that that might turn out to be a bridge too far for pep um but you know i think Mourinho and united is a match made in heaven um, Chelsea and Conte I think he's going to do a great job there and I think a three way battle for the title between those three teams let's assume, just assume that Arsenal will finish fourth anyway, uh, Liverpool will, you know, you know, they're down there with Swansea and you know what not um, I think that I, <laughs> I, I, I think it. that, I you, it. Know, it, you know the, the, uh, those teams being competitive is a good thing if you're asking me who's going to win it's probably going to be Chelsea no! Yeah. What's wrong with you? Wow. I can't throw, I can't Punch throw you Punching both of you right in the No one That's expects what right the Italian Inquisition. An Italian <laughs> won it with Leicester, <laughs> and the only Italian coach in the mix now is Conte. I'm a big Why fan of Batshuayi. Well, we Miami FC has an Italian coach, and we're not Well, they're not great. in the Premier in the League, mix. mate, so they can't win it. But I will say, Lee, what are your thoughts on, on Hull City thus far? Because, again, not to stick with the United homer crap that I keep doing, but they gave United a hell of a game. Definitely, they are punching at least one or two classes above their weight level at the moment. And they took United to the 92nd minute. Um, so what do you think of Hull City? And do you think that this is a performance streak that they can continue uh, going on through the season and maybe stave off relegation? Um, if if the question is can they stave off relegation? Absolutely, I think there's definitely three worst teams in the division. Um, I didn't think that was a great game um, between them and United. Um, it took a little moment of magic to win it. Um, they'll be all right. They'll do all right. But uh, I don't think they'll be doing a Leicester anytime soon. 
No, no, I don't think it's Leicester either. And I guess my, my, my next follow-up and my final follow-up, because the Liverpool guy and the Arsenal guy want to stay rather quiet for this segment of the show. Uh, how many newly promoted teams do you think stay up? I mean, I know we have Middlesbrough, Hull City, and Burnley uh, all currently out of the relegation battle with only three games in. Obviously, that doesn't mean much at this point in time. But do you think one of the three, two of the three, do all of the three stay up? Or do you see maybe, you know... Which ones do you see not making it for the long haul and going back to the championship side next season? I, I, I think I think Borough have got the best chance of staying up. Um, I think they've got a good coach and I think they've got the right players. I think it's going to be more difficult for Hull and Burnley. Um, I think Hull will be okay. I think Burnley are possibly going to go down with Sunderland and... I can see West Ham continuing to struggle. You know, there's always a no. there's always a shock. There's always a shock, isn't there? There's always a shock. West Ham or Palace? Actually, not West Ham. Palace, definitely Palace. I think Pardew will implode. He'll leave or quit or something like that. Palace uh, will go down. Oh, but there are Jersey buddies. Well, <laughs> they can be our Jersey buddies in the Championship. So I, I just want to. I, I do want to say uh, that isn't that. Those are some interesting predictions. I think. Burnley's a juggernaut. I think they're a tremendous team. They're going to be right at the front of it. Uh, I'm kidding, of course, because we lost to them. However, I will say, look, I'm being quiet about it, but four points. We played the second and third team from last year. We got four points on the road. I think Liverpool's fine. I think we're still settling and sorting. We're in good hands. I'm happy with where we are right now. I'm just tired of hearing a certain person on this podcast gloat and 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 cheer and that's all it is that's all that's that's why well look you know put it this way next week we're going to record either probably a little later than usual uh some of us will be attending the united states soccer game we can all gloat about that together that's something we all have in common yeah that will be fun unless we unless you know well i don't want to say uh, yeah no don't even yeah <laughs> i don't even want to say that that's not a possibility you put me don't here's the thing you forced me to put on my liverpool hat and i'm much more downtrodden and depressed when i put on my liverpool hat omar it's not it's not fair well, you can't, well why don't you shave your head and look like tim howard then you're always glorious yeah i know that's a fair point all right, so let's... Okay, uh, well, one last thing. Since yes. no one asked me, Swansea finished 14. 14. 14th, okay. And by the way, the reason why he's bringing up Swansea is because this gentleman is from Swansea himself. So that was something I did want to ask, but I didn't want to hog the whole segment. I really wanted some other voices in there as they chose not to be part of it. That's their fault. And, you know, Tottenham still I'll, sucks. I'll punch in. Arsenal beat Watford, as you mentioned earlier team's going down, Middlesbrough won't go down because Arsenal just transferred him Callum Chambers, the greatest defender of all time and uh, the Swansea City Express Mr. Lee himself visited the Arsenal bar this weekend and had a great time and I believe Arsenal is now his second favorite team in the world (laughs) I think that's a big claim but it's, you know, they're up there you had a good time, you had a good time I had had, had, had a cooked breakfast that's the, you know, so yes I did one more thing, because I, I heard this take somewhere on another very big popular podcast, which I, I, I do very much admire and very do much love. And, and I kind of had this question for Lee, and I wanted to phrase it this way. So we've seen professional soccer teams in the United States take up the nicknames or take up the naming styles of teams from across the pond. Do you think that is a trend that should continue, or do you think that the United States teams moving forward should pick names resembling to 
other sports. For example, we have, you know, for example, the San Francisco 49ers in the NFL or the Miami Heat, our local professional basketball team here, as opposed to having teams as United, City, uh, you know, heaven forbid an English team ever uh, names itself Albion and not really know what Albion really means. Um, what is your thought on that? Do you think that maybe American soccer should go ahead and and uh, start naming it with its own, like, you know, trademarks or its own cultural names? Or is that something that you can see sticking, you know, for the long haul, the cities, the uh, the Uniteds, the FCs, the AFCs, etc.? No, I, th- I think, you know, you stick with what you do best. I think that it's... Uh... For me, it's it's kind of it's kind of charming the way that the teams over here, like the Wilmington Hammerheads, like what is that? I love it. Yeah, st- st- stick with what you know. <laughs> stick with what you know. Ah, right, there we go. Because that's my thought too. I've always thought, you know, how many more FCs, how many more Uniteds are we going to have? Like, you know what? I'm a big fan of of teams that have a nickname associated with them, and that's something we've struggled here with Miami FC. We haven't been able to really stick on a nickname uh, because the logo isn't very you know, uh, endearing to a nickname, uh, for lack of better words. But uh, that, that's kind of my thought. And I, and I kind of wonder very quickly before we do sign off what Drew and, and, and Matt think about this issue. And, and would you prefer more nicknames in American soccer? Uh, or do we just stick with the traditional FC, United, etc.? Drew, I'll defer to you first. I can't think of anything except for when we were at the Williamson Hammerheads game when Lee kept yelling at the guy named Moose. <laughs> You're not a shark. You're not, You're a, not shark. a shark. You're a moose. You're not a shark. Exactly. Like that that was such good fun and I could not have done that if they were called like Wilmington Wanderers. It's like you you're not a, like no. I would I would have been out. Yeah, we well, we need the hacky names, especially in uh, lower divisions and everything. Uh, I mean, it obviously, if every team that wants to go uh, MLS bound is going to throw a United or uh, the, the the only one that really kind of destroys me is uh, Real Salt Lake. <laughs> yes, Be- because it's Salt Lake City and it's in Utah, where I was like, you guys should have the most American, like Mormon American name in the world, and you went with Real. <laughs> Well, I mean, you got to remember that Real Madrid had supposedly wanted to put ownership stake of that team and then pulled out at the last second, and the name already stuck, and that's what they went with. But well, the, thing is, the thing is, the thing is, it's, 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 it's not even remotely Spanish. I mean, I don't even read that as Real. I read it as real. It's like real Salt Lake, you know, as <laughs> real opposed salt to fake Lake. Salt Lake We're down the, the road. We're not fake Salt Lake in Southern Utah. Fuck yeah, them. exactly. We're really salt. We're the real Salt Lake. We're the real deal. Drew, I appreciate that you said salt. block them. Uh, as a true Utah uh, Mormon who would not swear, I appreciate that oh, you that you censored. Just no, it was perfect. It was really great. Um, my my opinion of it is, yeah, it's it's starting to get a little annoying that there are like, I feel like there are twenty five Uniteds and fifteen. And again, I'll, I'll I'll pick on Miami FC. The fact that it's Miami FC, I feel like it kills some of the branding opportunity. You know, and that obviously shouldn't be your first concern. When you're coming up with the team, with the team, but it does help when you know it's the the Dolphins. You know, like it, it, you, there's no you can't do that with Miami FC. So it doesn't kill me. You know, I, I don't mind one way or the other. I do like when you see those lower division teams that have those kind of wacky names, like the Hammerheads. Um, you know, I've always liked it with minor league baseball too. The fact that they kind of get 
a little uh, creative with their naming. Um, the, the mud sharks, the grasshoppers, etc. Of course. Um, so we did primarily graph up. I'll do uh, uh, the uh, La Liga wrap up. Real Madrid one, Barcelona one. None of it else really matters all that much now, does it? Uh, so Are we going to do the German League wrap up, or should we just admit that Bayern will <laughs> yeah. win it already? I, in Bayern August? will win it all. Dortmund will come in a close second, <laughs> and none of it and else matters. Wolfsburg, and if Wolfsburg hadn't sold the Bronya last year, you know what? Maybe they would have challenged Bayern a little bit, but it doesn't matter, man. You know how that league's going to end, just like the way the French league is going to end. Is anybody going to beat PSG? No. Yes, they will because they have nobody. Yeah, left. no, they. I, I believe it's pronounced. They have Arsenal Arsenal they have to Cavani. destroy them in the Champions League group stages. Finally, oh boy. finally. So uh, we we will do a little bit more in depth on La Liga now that it's getting more uh, ramped up and a little the bit. Indian Super League. <laughs> I love the Chinese Super I love League. The Indian Super League. Uh, uh, Luis Garcia was playing in that for a couple of years, and I follow him on Twitter, and I was always getting updates about you know what was happening in New Delhi or. or or whatever the case may be, but yeah, we'll we'll do some more continental uh, reviews once the season gets a little bit worked up. Um, all right, I, I think I'm going to call this meeting of Magic City Soccer to a close. Anything else to add? All right, that silence no. sounds like an answer to me. If I ever yes, heard one, I, I, no, let me ask something. It's been a pleasure to, to to be along for the ride, and like I say, the atmosphere on Saturday was incredible. Uh, it was a step up from everything else, and um, let's hope to see everyone in this podcast at their next game. Absolutely. I, I hear the undertones there, Lee, and I don't appreciate <laughs> it. So uh, we we will definitely be out there for the next home game. Uh, a heck of a crowd, and if you're listening and you're not in the Day Brigade, get in the Day Brigade, and if you don't know what we're talking about and you found us by mistake, come out to a game and check us out, uh, and then make your decisions there. I think you'll be more than happy to join along with us, because we, we had a few people uh, joined from the last game, which was very encouraging. All right, let's wrap up because we're going to talk forever. Uh, Lee, the the new voice, the everyone's favorite Welshman. Thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, thank you for having me. Been a pleasure. Of course, Omar. As always, thank you for joining us. We have to sign Lee to an every seventh show contract. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Drew, thank you as always. Thank you, thank you. Uh, shouts out to Little Yachty and uh, Chad from The Bachelor. So, yes, gentlemen, go back to your Bachelor in Paradise DVRs. You can check that out now. Uh, as always, you can follow us at on Twitter at Magic City Soccer. Uh, we will be putting up some polling and some questioning and some additional information, so you will definitely want to start following us if you don't already. Um, for Omar Mubayad, for Lee Ifans, for Drew Hausman, I am Matthew Bunch. Thank you for joining us. And go Miami FC and go Miami Soccer. Remember, two big USA games. Woo, let's get this done, boys. World Cup qualifiers. Loud noises!